it seems to be about the look more than anything. Like who mm. who would fit the look of, of Bond? It's shaking, not fucking stirred. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's, he would be a great man to have at the helm of that, exactly the film you've described. You kind of have a Bond girl from East Kilbride, you know what I mean? <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the podcast. It's just as bad as listening to the Beatles without earmuffs. It's the Build a Bond podcast. My name's Stuart Morrison, and please welcome my co-host. Does he look like he gives a damn? It's Fraser MacArthur. <laughs> Do I look like I give a damn? <laughs> Thanks, Stuart. How you doing? I'm very well, thank you. How are you doing? I'm good, yeah, yeah. Can't complain, can't complain. Excited about another episode of the Build a Bond podcast? Sure am, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's been going well so far. I have, I've really enjoyed people's choices so far. It's been, it's been quite an eye-opener. It's been tremendous fun to do as well, and I think... The guests that have been on have also loved thinking of their ideas and have had a good time doing it as well. So very pleased. And they've all taken it very seriously too. Yes, very true. People uh, have been up all night thinking up their choices and arguing with themselves. Um, a lot of these films that they come up with, a lot of big moments in these films. Very true. And I think that's you, Fraser and myself, we are big Bond fans. We love the Bond films and what the Bond films can do that no other films can do really is have these huge moments that you watch and you see and you think this could only happen in a bond film yeah for me the one that sticks in my head is the opening scene in the spy who loved me oh of course yeah the ski chase exactly right what i love about it is it contains all these elements that i love she gets a message on his watch that pages through like calling him back to base or whatever he puts on a bright yellow (laughs) ski suit ridiculous (laughs) outfits he skis, big ski chase, all the drama you'd expect. And then the big moment, the, the moment that could only happen in a Bond film, when he launches off the cliff, you think, what's going to happen? He must have a parachute. Of course he has a parachute. Not only that, it's got a huge Union Jack uh, when it opens up. and it's, you, you, you would never see that in any other film, and you would never get away with it in any other film. He's not a master of subtlety, is he, Bond? No, definitely not. Uh, the, moments like that, that's what make the films for me. The hairs in the back of your neck stand up when Carly Simon's piano comes mm. in. Nobody does it better. Brilliant. Great film. Great opening. Love it. What about you, Fraser? Have you got any moments that stick out for you? I've got a few favourite moments, yeah. The first one that comes to mind is the, the boat chase in The World Is Not Enough on the Thames. Mm. I thought yeah. that was so well done uh, and so not just you know intense and exciting, but funny as well there's a lot of funny moments like the car mm-hmm. or the boat driving along the roads and stuff and yeah yeah and like splashing people in restaurants and everything on the side of the Thames so that was great um, and also the going f- further back to the man with the golden gun the the moment with the where the car flips over the bridge yes there's like a brilliant. somersault over the bridge uh, like, like this, this sort of corkscrew roll yeah that was all done on a practical set that was a real stunt that was that was executed, yes. which is That's... so impressive that's another element, yeah. The only thing when I watch that, which I just wish wasn't the case, is they have a silly sound effect when it, it goes, pew, pew, <laughs> when he does yeah. the flip. It really takes out the moment a little bit. But because it's ridiculous, because it's Bond, it still works. Yeah, because it's Roger Moore, it works, yeah. Yes. Another favourite moment would be um, George Lazenby's first line 
as a Bond. I don't know if you remember it. Is that what happened to the other fella? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's the only sort of... I think we've talked about it on maybe some of the other episodes, but that's the only time really that they reference the fact that it's not always the same actor. Yeah, yeah. But it's just that little cheeky look to the camera. That never happened to the other fellow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, brilliant. So these big moments really make a Bond film. But what we're here to talk about with our special guests is the other elements that really make a Bond film. So Fraser, talk us through what we're going to ask our special guest. Well, this is the thing, isn't it? Is that Bond films are, have this malleability of having all these different changeable elements that can be all different in every film, but still make up a Bond film. And this is what we're inviting a guest on every episode here to talk about what their dream Bond film would be and who they would cast as Bond, a co-star or love interest, as a villain, and also who they would have as a director for the film. And also what the other important factor is, who's going to be singing the theme song. So let's, uh, let's get ready to welcome our next guest to the show. Well, before we do that, Fraser... I have a trivia question for you. Oh. I'm a big Bond fan. You're a big Bond fan, but I'm keen to put it to the test. Please do. Okay. So as you know, Rami Malek, who won an Oscar for his role in Bohemian Rhapsody, will appear in No Time to Die next year. But can you name the four other actors who had already won an Oscar before appearing in a Bond film? Four actors that that have won before appeared in a Bond film. I'm, I'm sure there's plenty, well Sean Connery being the obvious example, who have gone on to win an Oscar following their uh, appearance in Bond, but I'm looking for the ones who were already Oscar winners when they appeared. Let me have a think about it and I'll get mm-hmm. back to you at the end of the episode. Great, looking forward to hearing your answers. I guess nothing left then to bring our guest in and get started with this week's Build a Bond podcast. Our guest this week is rock and roll royalty in the form of blind unicorn drummer, Jamie McGregor. Jamie is also one of the most eclectic music fans in the world, a renowned sneakerhead, fashionista, and artisan film buff. It's no surprise really that he has often been described as the hipster's hipster. However, before he won the City of Discovery's Coolest Guy Award three times in a row, Jamie was a snotty-nosed little boy scout alongside his good friend, yours truly. That is to say, we've been friends for a very long time and it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Please welcome Jamie McGregor. Thank you very much. What an intro. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. Are you happy with all, all that information? Um, yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I've never, I've never had an, an intro before, so I guess uh, I'll be happy with anything. But yeah. <laughs> wasn't it four years in a row that you won Coolest Guy? Was it four years? Yes, it was four years in a row. Yes. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Consecutively. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose you lose track after the third one. You're just yeah. You know. I mean, you stop counting. You stop counting. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show, Jamie. As I mentioned, you know, we, we've been friends for a long time. We're here today to talk about all things James Bond. Are you, or do you consider yourself to be a Bond fan at all? I'm a, I'm as much of a Bond fan as the next man is, I guess. Yeah, I think I think everyone, in some way or other, is a Bond fan. I think most people have grown. It's a very dad film franchise, isn't it? It's always one of those ones that you kind of got introduced to through your dad. Yeah, it's the, uh, exactly as you say, it was my dad that, you know, sat me down, watched this, son. <laughs> so what's your earliest memory of watching a James Bond film, Jamie? The, the ones I grew up with were, were the Pierce Brosnan ones. I think mm-hmm. he's probably my favourite Bond. I think everyone's favourite Bond is probably the Bond that they 
first scene or the, the one that they kind of got got them into the film franchise yeah you, you always you always have a soft spot for the for the bond that you kind of got that got you into it or the first one that you saw or when we were kids uh, Pierce Brosnan you know was Bond so yeah that's what you think of when you think of you know the, the ideal bond yeah and know. I think like people like that are ages with our dads would probably say, you know, a Bond like Sean Connery or something like that, because I guess that's maybe what they would have grown up with as well. Everyone's allowed to obviously have their own opinions of which is the best Bond, but I think mm-hmm. it really comes down to whichever one you started watching and which one you grew up with, really. I feel a bit bad for George Lazenby, so he only had a very short time for people to grow up in his Bond era. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess you could say that. Outside the world of, of Bond then, Jimmy, are you a film fan more generally? Yeah, yeah, I would say definitely more film than uh, than TV or series. I, I don't get, I don't understand how people can commit so much time to, to TV series. We have touched on it a little bit, but before we ask you who who you've picked to play Bond, tell us a little bit about the Bond actors that you like or the ones that you don't like. Well, as I said earlier, definitely Brosnan because I grew up with him, mm-hmm. and uh, I really do. I like Daniel Craig as a Bond. I know it was a bit controversial when he first came out as a Bond, but I think he—I think he's a fantastic fit for a Bond. Yeah, I think he's won over so many people, like you say, when he was first announced. But you'd struggle to find anyone now who who doesn't think he's done a great job. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I I do like the the, the discussions that constantly come up about who's going to be the next Bond, and like I do like this kind of idea of having Idris Elba as like the first black Bond. I think that would be really cool, and I think he would do the job justice. To be fair. Mm-hmm. but there's loads of the, I mean there's loads of names that get I think the Bond thing as well it's for a lot of people that like to speculate on who's going to be the next Bond it's, it seems to be about the look more than anything like who mm. who would fit the look of, of Bond I, I, I kind of agree I absolutely love Idris Elba I think he's an amazing actor and that, that Luther role is just is, is very Bond like and is, is incredible yeah. but to be honest I, I kind of think if you're Maybe for maybe one or two films, but I think he's getting on a bit now. No offense to him, but you know, I think he's getting on a bit, and he might not last as long as what other Bonds have done in the past. Yeah, he's, he's definitely an older Bond, which is kind of going in line with like one of my choices is an older Bond, and I would like to see a Bond film because my idea of the perfect Bond film would be a Bond that's kind of getting past it and making mistakes and kind of, it's, it's, it's a bit gritty, it's a bit raw, he's maybe an alcoholic, you know, I, I like that idea of, of having a really gritty mm. Bond film. I mean, he's definitely an alcoholic. No, I mean, yes, yeah. He's, he's, <laughs> yeah I'm addicted to say, he's right, you know what, Russell Brand, he's the next Bond. <laughs> <laughs> he's past it now, isn't he? <laughs> well, that's a good little tease then. So you mentioned there you had, you had a few choices, is that right? Yeah, I've got, I just can't decide. I, I feel like it's such a big, I know it's just like, it's, it's just a bit of a laugh, but I feel like choosing the Bond is such a massive thing. And it, I've been thinking about it for days and I'm just like, I cannot choose who it be. I'll, I'll, throw, I'll throw a few names out there. Yeah. I'd like us to discuss as a, as a, as a unit. Because like, we'll, we'll go back, I'll throw the question back at you. Are you. I take it you guys are big Bond fans then? Nah, I don't really, I'm not really into it. No, just a great premise for a podcast. <laughs> on it while you can. I'd say we're we're definitely amateur enthusiasts, I suppose. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, who's your favorite Bond? 
My favourite Bond is, and I think Stuart might agree with me here, my favourite Bond is Timothy Dalton. Okay, yeah, yeah. Very, he, yeah. That's a very classic kind of... And he kind of brought a bit of darkness and a bit of edge to Bond, especially after such a long Roger Moore era, and he brought Bond's feet to the ground, I think, mm-hmm. and yeah, made well, it that sort of thriller rather than a action caper. Yeah, yeah I, I like that. Yeah, you're, you're, I think you're bang on there with, with kind of bringing it as more of a thriller film, because that's what I, I prefer to see out of a thriller as opposed to, you know, just an all-out action. Because sometimes you get lost in the sauce with that. It's like, mm-hmm. you've no idea. There's so much action going on that you're starting to, like, lose what the hell's happening in the film. You're like, why are they in Czechoslovakia right now? It's like, I, I lost that bit with so much, you know. Like a sort of, you know, those Transformer films a few years ago where it was just so much, like, on the screen at every second. You're like, there's no way I can keep up with this. What's going yeah. on? And, like, the, the advertisements. I mean, talk about Michael Bay films. It's like how much uh, advertising was chucked down throat in like some of his films and it's when you look at what when you watch it back it's so obvious yeah so much product placement and that sort of thing um but yeah, yeah, so yeah i'm just going to take another wee drink out of my bacardi glass here <laughs> very on brand <laughs> how is the recording sounding on your samsung laptop <laughs> Was that, I'm, I'm sure one of the newer Bonds was, that was very like, was it not, was it no Sony vibe? Sony, yeah. yeah. So in your face, that was so bad. I remember the bit in Casino Royale where she asked him about his watch and she says, is it a Rolex? And he goes, it's an Omega. And she goes, oh, it's gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the Bond franchise has definitely been guilty of a bit I'm of product placement. Anyway, yeah, let's, um, I'll, I'll carry on. I'm, I'm just, I'm rambling now. I'll throw a few names out there. Okay. Um, when I was thinking about Bond, I was thinking about I'd like to make it another Scottish Bond, like just to bring it, because obviously we're Scottish, we want to see mm-hmm. Scottish face up there. And like I was saying, with having a, a James Bond film that was like raw and gritty and Bond was getting on a bit, I was like, Robert Carlyle, he'd be perfect. But then I was like, wait, something's not right there. Like, why does that not sit right to me? And then I realized, wait, Robert Carlyle's already been in a Bond film. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he was like a bad guy and uh, the world is not enough. Yeah, didn't play a Scotsman though. Yeah, but I don't think, I see, it just wouldn't work though. When you've had someone that's been, already been in a Bond film, it kind of ruins it all. So I was like, nah, scrap that. It's a, it would be an interesting choice though, because especially if you're talking about Bond, who's a bit past his peak, who's a bit on edge maybe, you know, he's perfect for that kind of unpredictable role. That's what I think. I, I also think it would be a good kind of, homage to him as well considering he's I think he is a fantastic actor and I never think he's had that that massive role you know what I mean I feel like he needs it like mm. as a, almost a wee tip of the cap just to say you know you you've done well kind of thing yeah you know, what a career of, yeah not at the end of his career because obviously he's only I don't even know how old he is but um he's not he's by no means at the end of his career but it would be nice for him to have a huge role like that yeah, definitely. So you dismissed Robert Carlyle. So score that off. That's, yeah. I think Henry Cavill has the Bond look. Yeah. But it's like, I'd, I've not seen that many films that he's been in. I couldn't speak on behalf of what I think he's like as an actor. Pretty much most Bonds have been young guys that didn't really have much of a career. And that was the role that kind of made them. Mm-hmm. And I like this idea of having... Uh, Again, going back to the Scottish Bond, have you you guys ever seen the film Calibre? Yeah, yeah with the, the the lead guy, the lead Scot, Scottish guy in that's called Jack Loudon. 
And I think oh he, yeah, I think he would make it quite a good quite a good bond. I think if you wanted a, if you were going down the route of having like a young bond, yeah, that was a fantastic, a really really good film. Isn't that big of an actor, but has a lot of kind of prospect as a career in front of him. If you think about it, a lot of the bonds, you know, although we now know them as massive stars, exactly like you say, Jamie, they, they weren't big stars when they got the role initially. You know, I think George Lazenby hadn't, hadn't even done any acting before he became Bond. So, yeah. you know, I think there's definitely something to be... Often this conversation goes straight to big stars that, you, that are already well-known. But I reckon picking someone from obscurity is definitely what they've done in the past. So potentially I what think, they would do again. I think it would work. And um, uh, another one I was kind of thinking was, I don't know, Jack O'Connell. If you wanted like a rough and a bit of a chavy Bond... I think it would be. I think it would be quite a funny fit. But I was like a lot of films I've seen him in, like Unbroken. He was fantastic in that. Seventy-one. Yeah. 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 That was the one. The one about the. Yeah. He is a a really phenomenal actor, Jack O'Connell. Obviously, got his break in Skins, uh, as that sort of unhinged mental Mm -hmm. character. I don't want to don't want to influence your later decisions here, but I would see him more as a villain than a than a Bond. Mmm, God, that's a good shout, actually. I never thought about that. He does have a yeah, yeah, a, a Daniel Craig sort of physical presence about him, you know. Yeah, I, I don't know. Again, I just kind of feel like he's another phenomenal actor that needs a massive, you know, film to be a mm. household name. And I just feel like giving him a role like that would be fantastic. And like another another name that comes to mind if we're going down the route of having an older Bond that's that's kind of fucking up a little bit. You know, alcoholic, all that kind of stuff. Clive mm-hmm. Owen. Okay. Yes. I think he's got the Bond look. I think uh-huh. he, could, he could play a, you know, a kind of coming to the end of his career Bond. I think he was in his, you know, when he was younger. I think he was touted quite often as a potential Bond. I think uh, you're right. Yeah, but but I think now exactly what you say. He'd also be good in the end of career style Bond. You know, yeah. older. You know, like in. Um, is it Children of Men when he's, you know, a man just like defeated by the world? Yeah. I think he would, he, yeah, he would be fantastic for that. Yeah, so there's a few names out there. I don't know if you guys want to like chuck in who you think is the best fit out of what I've named. I guess there's two films there. You know, you've named some young actors who, who could come in almost like a reboot and, and sort of be like Bond starting out. Or you've got some of the older actors who would portray that more gritty Bond maybe, you know, pass his best. So depending on which direction you would want to go in, I think it would influence the choice. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think Jack Loudon's a great choice. Uh, he's the, exactly as you were saying, he's the, he, he needs that boost for, to his career to make him a household name because he can do it. He can do those kind of roles. I know he can because I've seen him perform in things like Fighting With My Family. Yeah, God, yeah, yeah, he was in that. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. So you know he's already fight trained as well. Um, Dunkirk and Dunkirk as well. Dunkirk, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah Dunkirk. I think that's a great choice. But I would but I really do obviously like the idea of the, the older bond and the, the past is best. Um I think Clive Owen's a great shout. Yeah. I think you know what, just for the sake of uh, continuity with the rest of my uh answers, I'm gonna go with Clive Owen, but for an honourable mention, we'll go with Jack Loudon as an honourable mention, just for possibly the next Bond. If anyone's watching, definitely that's my vote. <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's the right choice. I think it's definitely worth picking out Jack Loudon as, you know, someone who would have great potential in the role. But based on what you're saying and how you would want your Bond f- 
film, like plot-wise, to play out, I think Clive Owen sounds like a great pick. Mm. Yeah. Let's go with that. Clive Owen. Clive Owen. In the bag. Got the job, sir. Moving on. Should we move on to Bond Girl now? Yeah, please do. And I think a Bond Girl quite often has to have, you know, a a foreign accent. You can't have a Bond Girl from East Kilbride, you know what I mean? You've got to have have a bit of an exotic accent and, you know, something about her. So, I'm... There's not anyone particular that's like stood out to me in terms of uh, performances, um, but I like going along the kind of lines of the older Bond. I thought I'll go for an older Bond girl. So Salma Hayek, uh, she's I think she's about ages with Clive Owen, and she's you know what for an older woman she's a very sexy woman, which kind of and she's got the foreign accent, so it kind of falls in line with. Yeah, absolutely. I'd, that's a great show. I'm sure they've probably acted and stuff together before. I think they have. I have a feeling that, like, yeah, I have a feeling they've been paired together for something, but I don't know what. Nothing's jumping out to me. Again, like I say, I don't, I'm not that familiar with her work. Um, I'm kind of more familiar with her doing kind of, you know, supporting roles or kind of, um, you know, smaller bit roles. Yeah, she was just someone that stood out to me when I thought of that, that kind of uh, style of Bond film I'd go for. Yeah, I think that's a great matchup as well with Clive Owen, because like you say, Often, so often, Bond films fall in the trap of having a significantly younger Bond girl than the than Bond himself. So I think the, the way you're describing your Bond film, I think that's a great matchup between Clive Owen and, and Sama Hayek. Sama Hayek's this the kind of actress as well who's she's never taken a dip in her career. She's always been flying high. I mean, I remember going to the cinema to see Wild Wild West in like 1999 or something, and she's never dropped out of fame. She's never mm. dropped out of the, the spotlight sort of thing. Yeah. She's always caught, kept at that kind of constant level. I, I don't think she's like a huge, huge name, but like, yeah, like you say, Fraser, she, she's, she's never dipped. She's always kind of kept at that, that, that level, which is, you know, very respectable and very hard to do in, 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 in a career like that. Especially for a female actor as well. So often, you know, once you get to a certain age, you stop getting cast in certain roles. But she's been fantastic throughout her career. She's um she's one of the leads in the upcoming Marvels, the Eternals. All right, okay. The Sama Hayek thing fits more in with uh, yeah, with, with the with the older Bond. Is Sama Hayek is she Spanish or Mexican? She's Mexican, yeah. I think my choice, if anyone were ever to ask me what my dream Bond film would be, I think I would choose as my love interest slash co-star, uh, would be Priyanka Chopra. Oh, I'm gonna have to Google her. Yeah. Because she's, I mean, gorgeous to start with and also a really good actress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think she's ma- she married to one of the Jonas Brothers. That's right, yeah. Yeah, they that's could. a good shout. That's a, that's, I think um, it's definitely under the whole exotic kind of vibe mm. that they like to go for. Why and is that, that? Why do they always like... I think even in some of the earlier ones, they had English actresses and they dubbed them with like foreign they actors. They did, yeah. Um, Ursula Andress, who played Honey Rider and Dr. No they thought that her accent was too strong. So they actually dubbed her with a less exotic person. So they couldn't make their mind up. <laughs> I think there was a lot, yeah, a lot of dubbing went on in the early days. <laughs> so the cast is starting to come together. We've got Clive Owen, we've got Salma Hayek. The next thing to talk about is Bond villains. Now, this could be some of the most fun casting. Are there any villains from the Bond series that really stuck out to you? Any favorites? 
Jaws. Like probably one of the most. He's the, probably one of the most famous, isn't he? Is he not? I think I that's remember. Fair. Was was he working for like both the main villains in the both the films that he was in? Yeah, because in I think because he was so popular in The Spy Who Loved Me, they wanted to bring him back into Moonraker. So they kind of wrote a really awkward thing where Bond kills his first like henchman, and then, so then he has to hire Jaws on recommendation, right. <laughs> or you know something like that. It's a really like convoluted way to basically justify Jaws being in the next film as well. Moonraker, that's the one that's kind of the iconic scene where he bites the cables, is it not? Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. That's a great yeah. scene. Yeah. But when I think of a villain, I think of an actor that is so good that you hate them. And I think Christoph Waltz was a fantastic casting because he, like, I, I can't remember the first film I've seen him in. It might have been, what's the Tarantino film? Um, Glorious Bastards. Glorious Bastards. I think that was maybe the first film I've seen him in. And, and I, I just remember thinking, God, I, I hate you, you know? And that just shows how much of a good actor he is. So the only other person I can think that's made me feel that way is Stephen Graham. Yes. Mm. He's, and you know what? He's doing so well just now. He's getting those kind of roles that he deserves to get. And he is a fantastic actor. But the first time I seen him, and this is England, and I just thought, you are a bastard. You, and that just shows you how good of an actor he is because you kind of believe that he is a bastard. That's an amazing shout because he's had, but he's in with Hollywood as well. He's had such big roles in things like Gangs of New York and I think he was in Peaky Blinders and um, Boardwalk Empire. Yeah, he, was Al, he was Al Capone, wasn't he? Speaking of like henchmen, I, I, I feel like the roles he kind of, would typically fall under, would maybe be a henchman type, but he definitely has the acting chops to pull off a big bad guy, you know? Totally. Because he's not, he's not limited to either being like a clever and sort of scheming bad guy. He's also that unhinged and physical mm. fighter bad guy. Yeah. As well. yeah, I think that's absolutely right. He would be a Bond villain that you would be genuinely scared of in the general sense, because he could be scheming, but also if he's in the room with Bond, you would be worried for Bond because he's an intimidating, scary guy. Does anyone just for comic effect want to give a go at his accent? Well, that was going to be my next question. We talked a little bit about accents for the Bond girl. What accent are, are you going to have Stephen Graham play? He'd have to have his Scouse accent. He really would. It's shaking, not fucking stirred. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. That's a hard accent to do. Yeah. I was going to give it a go, but now Fraser's done it so well, I'm too nervous. <laughs> yeah, for, for someone who set off at the start saying you wanted to have more Scottish actors involved, you've picked Clive Owen English, mm -hmm. Sam Hayek, Mexican, and then another English villain, Stephen Graham. They didn't, they, you know what, they, they didn't show up to casting as a typical Scotsman. <laughs> he was out drunk. He was, he, was getting, he was getting really prepared for the role. Uh -huh. What do they call it? Method acting. That's what, that's what all the Scottish actors are doing. I would maybe have more Scottish actors if there was, if more Scottish actors were given a break in, you know, in bigger films, because they'd be more, you know, notable to me. I'd, I'd, I'd know more of them. Like Jack Loudon. Like Jack Loudon. There we go. I think Jack Loudon's definitely getting a minor part in this film, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I think maybe a flashback sequence to Bond as a younger, oh, younger guy. That's a nice touch, yeah. Yeah. We'll have that in, we'll chuck that in. Is there any flashback? I can't think of any flashback sequences in, to younger Bonds in any films, is there? No, I don't think no. so. 
I guess in Skyfall they talk about his childhood, but it's never a flashback. So this this film has a first then. The first the first flashback. Yeah, I really like that. So you've outlined to us a really impressive cast. I'm really I'm really intrigued by all these roles. Who is going to be your director to pull it all together? When I try to pick a director, I think of what films I like. Mm-hmm. What director has done the most amount of films I like, and I think I'm not alone in saying this. And I can think I probably speak for everyone here in saying this that I don't think there's a David Fincher film I don't like. Yes, I'm exactly in the same boat as you. I think he's, yeah, just a fantastic director. His films are instantly recognisable as his work, but also quite, in a way, varied. I've never watched anything he's done that I haven't loved. Well, let's not be too hasty here. Have you ever seen Alien 3? <laughs> well, yeah, well, I must admit, I have never, I'm not a fan of the Alien franchise. So I've never seen it. Any comments on it? Uh, it it's his first feature film. That, yeah. I'll give him that. But I don't feel like I, I should watch. I should bother watching it. Seeing as like I've got no interest in the alien films, just just to see a David Fincher film, I'd have to watch the first two. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Have and you, also, I, I think two great. Like the first two are so good with two like brilliant directors. What's uh, what's you guys' favorite David Fincher film? Zodiac. Zodiac's great. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love the Social Network. I also love the, the TV series. He didn't direct all of it, but um, Mindhunter. Yeah. Oh, did he I never knew that. I didn't so he, know that. He, he directs, like, I think, a few episodes in the first series, and, it, and it's, he's the producer overall. You know, he's a driving force behind it. And it, it, when, you, when you realize or when you know it's David Fincher and you look back and watch it, you see instantly with the way he's shot it. It's, it's very David Fincher. Yeah, it's, very, it's like Seven and, and Zodiac. It's quite in, in tone and style. It's very similar. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I feel ashamed to say it, but it wasn't until this year that I actually got around to watching the game. And I honestly, I love that film. I, I, it's probably up there with one of my favourite David Fincher films. It's that whole cat and mouse type chase thing, isn't it? Yeah, I love those kind of films. I love, yeah. Yeah, and so it's got a bit of like, you know, don't know who to trust kind of thing going on as well, which I really mm. like the guest view thing. It's sort of like, uh, like Gone Girl as well, where it's not, you know, you're not really clear... Who's, who's telling the truth? Who's lying? Yeah. Is this your pick? Are you going for David Fincher? Yeah, it's my only, it's the only pick that I could think of. I was like, what's a director that has never let me down? Yeah. Also okay. with um, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo as well. So he's done like kind of action-ish work before. Sort of franchise yeah. stuff, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think David Fincher as well would go, he would do a really good job at doing this kind of gritty thriller-esque, like we were speaking about earlier, a Bond film being a more of a, an action thriller as opposed to an all-out action film. Yeah, the suspense, the, yeah. How, how the film looks, I can picture it you know, exactly. I think he's, he would be a great man to have at the helm of that, exactly the film you've described with an older Bond with these challenging characters. Great choice. Yeah, really nice choice. I think uh, you'll have a lot of uh, people cheering into their headphones with that choice. Although, having said that, he is a director who notoriously, you know, a control freak almost. He, he takes a lot of takes and he does a lot of, um, he likes to have things done exactly how he wants them. Could be a potential difficulty. I know Bond films are also very difficult to make with a lot of competing interests. So it could be the potential for a big flare up during filming. Yeah, well, that's what kind of makes films go viral these days, isn't it? Like you see like these back, backstage kind of flip outs i think there's been one recently is there not with um it was tom cruise wasn't it tom cruise that was it was it not flipped out over like some like covid rules or something on set or something yeah that's right and 
so he, he kind of somebody had sort of ignored the rules on on sanitizing or, or distancing or something and and Tom Cruise kind of lost it and he thought well he, he made a fair point and he said people's jobs are on the line here like this is this is going to affect everybody if you shut us down in our production then people's livelihoods are at stake so don't just like pass it off as being something something little that you're just forgetting to do I think he was spot on maybe he might have been a bit over the top in terms of his delivery but you know he's an actor yeah, <laughs> I think that's, that, I, yeah. <laughs> I think that's the, the thing as well. It must be quite stressful. Everyone's quick to say, you know, oh, you know, their actors are getting paid this much, blah, 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 must be an easy job. But I don't think it really would be an easy job. It is an art form. I think people forget that, that it is an art form. I mean, people are just so used to vegetating in front of the, the couch. It's the same way, you know, you get these uh, these barstool pundits, as I like to call them, that, that sit in the pub and, and, you know, talk about football. And it's like these people that aren't able to do, you know, they're not able to play football. So how are you able to kind of construct what's going on and what they should have done? It's the same. It's exactly the same with acting. It's like you, you don't understand the mindset that that kind of takes to, to, to be in that. I love your pick so far, Jamie. Great choices for the actors, great choices for the director. We're now moving on to what I suppose is your specialist subject. First of all, would Blind Unicorn ever record a Bond theme song? Absolutely not. That sounds so stressful. We're terrible at deadlines as is. <laughs> uh, I, would, I would hate that. The pressure of that must be terrifying. I mean, it's, it must be great exposure, but yeah, the pressure of that must be... Yeah, I couldn't even imagine. It is cool, though, that, like, I know we're going to the music thing. I'll probably end up babbling on a wee bit about this, but I find it cool, like, the, the choice of having, like, Jack White in the Quantum of Solace, I mean, terrible film, but the Quantum, Quantum of Solace soundtrack, it was cool to see a rock artist get the gig as, you know, as a, as a Bond, like, a proper rock artist. I guess you could say that, you know, Paul McCartney is a rock artist, but like a proper, you know, kind of blues style rock uh, theme song. That was really cool to see that happen. Yeah, I think it's great as well that it was a bit more of an out there choice. You know, it definitely wasn't one that you might expect and it's come away with a great Bond song as well. Yeah, it was a collaboration that you wouldn't expect as well with Alicia Keys. Alicia Keys. As much as I loved the song, I think Alicia Keys was a bit underused in that song. She's got, I would love to see her doing another one and, and really show off her voice. Yeah, definitely. But then I think that's what you get when you choose Jack White that's very much a riff-driven, you know, guitarist type. It's like, I guess she would get kind of put to the side when, when it comes to him doing a song. Mm. So are those the sort of Bond theme songs that you go for, the more rock ones? Yeah, I, I guess so. I, to, to be totally honest with you, I'm not a big fan of Bond theme songs I just I think they're they're karaoke songs to me they sound like the kind of songs that you know someone in their mid-40s that has had a few drinks you know it's the only song that they could sing well and they'll get up on karaoke and they'll do Shirley Bassey's Goldfinger you know what I mean <laughs> <laughs> I feel that way mostly because of like Adele's Skyfall it's always always girls that think they can sing love to sing Adele and you're reaching so high there I mean if you're going to choose someone to do it at least choose someone a bit easier yeah I think you're you're absolutely right if you're going to try and do someone on karaoke I would be staying well clear of Adele I would be going nowhere near Shirley Bassey yeah try Alicia Keys and Quantum of Solace yeah. <laughs> <laughs> might be a bit easier for you um, Madonna maybe 
Madonna, yeah, that was Die Another Day, wasn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. think of that. That was a bit kind of a electro kind of sound, was it not, if I remember yeah. that correctly? Yeah, but what did you think of it? Cheesy. It fit for the time, I guess, the time that film was out, I guess it fit. That was probably Good. the music that was popular at the time. I, th- I think it's probably one of the worst. I think the difference, and I'm going to disagree with you on this one, Jamie, you know, we have very similar music tastes and I steal a lot of my music preferences from you. I think there's more good theme songs than there are bad. Whereas I think with films, there's probably equal amount of bad films as there is good films. I think there's a lot of really great Bond theme songs. Not, I'm not saying they're all good, but there definitely are some really good ones. I mean, yeah, I, I kind of struggle because I guess that's why it's so important. I, I'm, not, I'm not a big fan of opening credits that, that do that, that, la- that, you know, last for a whole song. I'm just, <laughs> I've never been a fan of it. You just want to watch the film. Yeah, I just want to get on with it. And I know it's, I know it's a big part of the, the, the kind of the whole franchise. Like, I know yeah. it's like one of the, the big things. But yeah, it's just never been something I've, I've really wanted to sit through. Are you going to pick a theme song or are you going to just... Yeah, so anyone that knows me, I think, would think this is so typical. And this feels very Fiat 500 of me to, like, choose this. You know, this is very vanilla. Okay. But, like, I like the idea of Arctic Monkeys doing it. Because I think with their most recent stuff, it would fit. It would fit. I think it's interesting, actually, because I've, you know, I obviously think about this quite a lot. When I think about the Arctic Monkeys doing a a Bond song, I think like Brian Storm and Favourite Worst Nightmare, that era of the Arctic Monkeys could do a great, could do a really good Bond theme song. That's interesting. See, I think more of the kind of humbug stuff because it is darker and it's like... I'm trying to think of a Bond song that has that kind of feel, but there definitely is one that has that kind of, that feel about it. I think based on what you've, how, how you've described your film with the older Bond, with the, the kind of grittier storyline, yeah, Humbug era definitely fits well with that. Another, another we mentioned that I do want to, and it only popped in my head when I, I was out the other day, and I was, I was out running, I was listening to some music, and sometimes I just chuck stuff, stuff on and let it run. And I decided to listen to some Jamiroquai. And there's, I know Jamiroquai, like, you typically kind of associate him with the funk stuff. And mm-hmm. he is primarily funk, but he does have some big sounding songs. And I was listening to it thinking, it would be such a stretch for Jamiroquai to do a Bond song. It, it, it might sound ridiculous, but if, if you delve in deep enough into some of his back catalogue, he does have some pretty big epic sounding songs it probably would fit but no i'm going to stick with arctic monkeys i think that's why it's yeah you're definitely right that it's, you've got to clarify it's not you know early arctic monkeys where they're you know sort of a pure indie band mm-hmm. i don't think that would have fit but the arctic monkeys that we know now you're exactly right that they would approach it with the seriousness I, of you know making up making a song that would fit the kind of vibe of the film you've described i feel like as well i i I feel a bit ashamed to make that choice because it is such a, like, they are such a big band. And for someone, I feel sometimes for someone that, like, is involved in music and likes to play music, I feel like choosing, like, a, a massive, you know, band that everyone knows and likes is a bit of a, you know, it's a bit of a, a cop-out, but they would do a good job. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a, we could sit here and name all these unheard of bands to make me look like I fucking know everything about music. But at the end of the day, it's like, it has to be a Bond film. It has to be a crowd pleaser. Everyone has to, you know, enjoy it. Are you going to have a go at their accent, Fraser? Where are they from? Sheffield. 
No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't do Sheffield accents. <laughs> okay, Jamie. We've done through the main ones now. There's a short section that we call the AOBs, any other bonds. This is a chance for you to add in anything else that you've thought of. One thing I'd like in the film okay. would be a one-shot sequence, you know, like the HUDs in... Uh, the start of Spectre. Spectre, yeah, when they've done a one-shot sequence. I just lost... I'm such a sucker for one-shot sequences. You know, I'm totally with you on that. Like, that, that opening sequence is one of my favourite of all of the series. As much as I'm not a huge fan of the film, I think that is one of my favourite opening sequences. Mm-hmm. I was blown away. I remember seeing that in the cinema and being absolutely blown away by it. Just because... I understand that there must be so much work that goes into doing a one-shot sequence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there any other kind of uh, one-shot sequences that jump out to you guys that you think, fuck, that when you've seen it, you're like, that's amazing? Well, the, there's the really famous one from Goodfellas. See, I've not seen that. Goodfellas. Mm-hmm. I've never seen it. It's, it's, it's fantastic. Like, it, it follows really Ota, and, and forgive me because I can't remember the name of the actress, his girlfriend in it. The... Um, walk into a club and they go like in the back entrance and they go through a kitchen and they go into the club and they have conversations and they sit down and then they it's almost like you 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 wouldn't actually realize that it was a one-shot thing unless someone told you beforehand and you're looking out for it and then when you do look out for it it's like holy shit how did they do that this is like this is the 80s they're not using computer technology they're not using all this fancy tech that 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 everybody's got nowadays this is a fully practical thing where they're going into a room. While they're in that room, they're changing the set over behind them. Oh, wow. And then turning around and going back out. It's, it's check it out. I mean, I'm sure you can watch it on YouTube or something, yeah. just that sequence. Mm-hmm. I'll need to check that out. That sounds awesome. That does yeah. sound... So what's going to be involved in your one-shot sequence then? I don't know what I'd have in my, my one-shot. I, would, I think I'm really impressed with one-shots that manage to have a lot of action in it. Like one of them that's jumping out to me is the, the action sequence in The Revenant that's all one shot. Mm. Um, kind of goes through the middle of the, the, you know, like the battle sequence. Yeah. Goes him all the way out of it. until and the, the horse is like running through it and everything. Until the very end of the scene where he jumps out into to the, to the bush. Um, mm-hmm. There's also, the, it, can, it can be done in so many different ways. Like one, one of the other ones that were jumping out to me was in... Season one of True Detective, that to build tension, they have that one shot sequence going throughout the house. Yeah. And it's kind of, it's that kind of eerie edge of your seat moment where you're like, oh fuck, that's the way to go down. There's different ways of doing it. It just depends. They're impressive either way, but you know, the bigger that you go, I guess, the more impressed they'll be. So you, you give it, leave it in David Fincher's hands. You trust him to, to place it perfectly in the movie. Yeah, I trust him. That's the reason why, you know, I chose him. By the way, what position am I in that I get to choose all of this? I mean, what... what... You are Barbara Broccoli. (laughs) I've got the hair for it. (laughs) If you don't have any more specifications for your film, if you like, I can run through and summarise what you've got so far and you can see how it sounds. Okay, yeah. In the role of Bond, you have Clive Owen. You also have a a flashback scene to a younger Bond who's played by Jack Loudon. Playing the co-star role, you have Sama Hayek. And the villain is Stephen Graham in Full Skies. Directing the whole thing, you have David Fincher under direct orders to include at some point a one-shot sequence 
preferably with as much action as possible. And doing the theme song, you have the Humbug Era Arctic Monkeys. How does that sound? Mm, okay, we're going to need to have some revisions here. <laughs> just note, just note, noting something down, okay? Start the podcast again. <laughs> so we've, got, we've, got Bond, we've got Bond. Yeah. We've got Bond Girl. Or mm-hmm. Love Interest, shall we say. We've got Villain. Okay. Uh, right, okay, so I've changed my bond to David Williams. <laughs> <laughs> the last question we have for you, Jamie, you've, you know, very clearly laid out exactly what you want from your film and it sounds like it would be spectacular. The last question, which we haven't prepared you for, is to name your bond film. That's so funny you should say that because my girlfriend, when I was telling her that I was going to be doing this, she said, oh, what would you call it? And I was like, uh... I haven't really thought about that. And I didn't think this question would come up, so you have totally thrown me there. I could give you a few suggestions if you like. Go for it. Well, going by your um, older Bond, I was thinking maybe Old Finger. (laughs) (laughs) Or Doctor, no, I haven't taken my medication. Or if you're going along the David Fincher, um, you could just call it something like 007. <laughs> Seven. Seven. You, you came up with them on the spot. That's fantastic. I'll give you that. I've been working on it throughout the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you were so quiet. <laughs> Amazing. If you have any suggestions for a name, again, just let us know. Instagram, Twitter. We'd love to hear your suggestions for the name of Jamie's Bond film. I suppose if it's coming right to the end of his life, this is maybe going to be, you know, a properly elderly Bond, you could just call it Time to Die. Or Tomorrow Will Die. (laughs) (laughs) We also are keen to know, Jamie, if people want to hear some of Blind Unicorn's work, how can they get hold of that? All major streaming platforms will have something out this year, 2021. Exciting. I was listening to your songs earlier and I had a favourite lyric that came up um, and it was, the floors are all sticky and you're surrounded by clowns, but we don't give a fuck because drinks are only two pounds. That's to do with a a bar in the centre of Dundee town uh, that is called, The Balcony, that's what it's called. That's brilliant. Thanks so much, Jamie. Weekend Warriors was one of my albums of 2020, so I am so excited for new music in 2021. Thank you very much. I'm excited as well. Thank you very much, guys. That was good fun. I like that. Our pleasure. Thanks very much, Jamie. We'll see you soon. Right. See you, Jamie. Wow. That was. uh, I feel like we should be recording this all in one shot. Jamie was determined to have that one-shot sequence. I thought it was a brilliant film. I'm a big David Fincher fan. I like the idea of the older Bond. Clive Owen would would play that perfectly, in my view. Before you even ask me, Fraser, I'm going to tell you, I would watch this film. That's, yeah. I mean, I think I'm with you on this. I think Clive Owen, Salma Hayek, we haven't really seen a Bond for the, I don't want to say older generation. It's not the older generation. It's more... Slightly older generation. Mm-hmm. I think that's right. But David Fincher, a fantastic director, and you've got to think, has he been in the running for it before? 
It's true. Yeah, you'd have to wonder, especially now with what Sam Mendes did and really put his own kind of twist on on the direction of the films. It opens the floodgates for films like for directors like Fincher, who who maybe might have been considered maybe too stylistic before. Yeah, and Stephen Graham is the villain. Oh my yeah. God, that's a fantastic casting. I think that's brilliant. And I also, we, we didn't really get into, into the episodes, but if that villain was Blofeld, I think Stephen Graham could do that. Oof, yeah. Imagine this ghost Blofeld. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Arctic Monkeys song, I'm sure. Arctic Monkeys featuring Jamiroquai. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, really. I mean, those of you who know Jamie's music and, and they might not be surprised by the Arctic Monkeys choice because he is a huge fan and they're a big inspiration on him. But, you know, that doesn't take away from the fact that they are, a, you know, a great band. And I've thought before that they could do a great Bond theme song. So your, um, your, your quiz question here. How did you get on with that? Yeah, I've been thinking on it. I've got, I've got a bunch of answers here. And I think the four actors who won Oscars before their roles in Bond. Halle Berry. I know yeah. for sure. Uh, she won for uh, Monsters Ball. Monsters Ball, yep. Yeah. Best actress. Javier Bardem. Correct. <sighs> oh. What for? What uh, film? For, for must be for No Country for Old Men. That's right. Yeah, best supporting actor. Uh, Christoph Waltz. Did he win it for Inglorious Bastards? He did. Yes. And he also won for Django Unchained as well. So he. Hey has two Oscars before he done Bond. Wow. He is amazing. Mm -hmm. um, and one more, this is my biggest gamble, I think. Okay. But I'm, I'm kind of confident. Is it Christopher Walken? Christopher Walken? <laughs> I won't be winning an Oscar for that, but Christopher Walken did win an Oscar. Yes! Deer Hunter. Yes! I also had uh, Robert Shaw and Christopher Lee, but scored them out. Because I thought, surely Christopher Lee's won an Oscar before Man with the Golden Gun. And then I scored Robert Shaw out because that From Russia With Love was a very early Bond film, so that might not have been around before that. Brilliant. Good question. And very well answered. Great. Well, that about wraps us up for this week. Yeah, that was a really, really good episode. Let us know what you think about the episode. Build a Bond 007. That's on Twitter and on Instagram. And thanks again to our guest, to Jamie McGregor. Yeah, thanks very much to Jamie and thanks to you guys for listening at home. All the best for uh, the next week. We'll see you next week. Bye.